Teachers are leaders. And we're here to emphasize the good in education, one practice, method, idea, or trend at a time. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Teachers Are Leaders podcast brought to you by the Warren Instructional Network, and I'm your host, Andrea Coachman. All righty. We are back again. I am here with fellow literacy guru in Sherman ISD, Kelly Steinley. Kelly, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm yes. looking forward to it. Oh, me too, as will all of our listeners once we go through this um, awesome topic I feel like we're going to cover today. But before we do that, just a little bit about you know where you came from and where you are, kind of your journey. I especially love you know, from the conversations that we had, you are one of those people who you, education is your second career. So you spent time right. in the, what I like to, I, like, I don't know why I call it the real world, but <laughs> outside of education, it's, it's different. Education is a different bird, but spent some time out of education and were able to stay home with your kiddos for a little while, but then through your church got into teaching, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. So then you know, cause you are one of those, I think that was meant to be an educator, fell in love with it. And then <laughs> we're able to go through and make your way through a couple, you know, districts down in, in Houston, you, and you've worn a lot of hats throughout the year. So taught some kindergarten along the way, then got your master's in educational leadership. You spent some time as an instructional coach uh, you've trained teachers, you've led professional learning, you've written curriculum, you moved from the Houston area to Dallas because of a grandbaby, yes. which I love, yes. and then served as a K-2 coordinator in a local district, and then made your move to Sherman, where you are now to be closer to family, where you are currently serving, at again, with a lot of hats, I feel like different hat, different day, but as an instructional coach and as the Reading Academy cohort leader for Correct. your day. Yeah. Woo! That is a, that's a lot. You've done a lot of things. I feel like you have a lot of perspective you yeah. know, that you get to take to the, take to the job every day. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. And so thinking, thinking through all of that, and even back to, you know, teaching, teaching in the church and then all the work you've done from teacher to teacher leader, can you pinpoint a favorite memory or memories that just has really stood the test of time, you know, when it comes to recalling just those things that stick out to you? Well, I think since I started the Reading Academy cohort leaders three years ago, um, we worked on um, really having the teachers implement in the classroom. And one of the teachers um, was doing guided reading. We and we don't have Elkonin boxes yet. Uh, we don't have decodables yet. Um, and so we were still working with leveled readers in a second grade classroom. And two little boys were um, came across the word hungry. Mm-hmm. And they both stumbled and thought, oh, we can't do this. And one of the little boys goes, no, we can, we can do this. Oh. And the teacher had worked through from what she learned in Reading Academy how to divide the syllables with the kids. And so they were able to decode the word uh, by using the strategies the teacher taught. I think the neatest part for me is this teacher was grinning from ear to ear 
when she's telling me that. So she knows that she made a difference in the lives of these kiddos. And I think that's what makes me the most excited. Being a former kindergarten teacher, hearing a student read a book for the first time, I still get goosebumps. We've opened the world to that child when they, when we have helped them master that code. I love that. And I did, you cannot see it, but I also just got goosebumps for that. I do. That is (laughs) such a powerful thing too. You you just see that light bulb go off Mm -hmm. and that is huge. But I think, you know, what you said there, the teacher's face and that smile on their face, I think, you know, in, in all the different roles that you've served, it is very clear that your passion is for supporting teachers and for, you know, seeing that transfer from, you know, the knowledge or the information that you have to the teacher and then to the student in Absolutely. that enlightened moment, you know, we're, we're achieving literacy and that is clearly the goal for all of us in this, in this literacy journey in education. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. I love it. So Thinking, thinking about that memory and it does. And I told you this um, a little bit ago, but it always works this way. It's very easy to see someone's passion from, you know, the favorite memory that they have. And it, it hasn't changed here. So I'm like, however many episodes we have 12 for 12 in this (laughs) doing what it, what it does, but the work that you've done and what I was very excited to talk with you about with the uh, reading academies and being the cohort leader, I feel like, and for anybody listening who doesn't know about the reading academies that we have to do here in Texas, it is a ton of work. It is. So, and you were telling me about it, Kelly, but so for a teacher who goes through, I mean, how, how many modules are there? 11? There are 12, well, basically 12 modules. One of the modules is very limited now. Okay. Um, because everyone did such a good job with it. <laughs> so they, oh, well. they moves, moved some of the content out. Um, basically, the, the, the module that was moved out was the um, community of learners. Um, oh, okay. I think teachers do a great job of building community in their classrooms. Yes. Uh, loving their kids um, and just having that safe space for kids. Um, and so everyone was passing that. So the state decided to limit that. There's a little bit um, of study in it for, for the teachers going through the course, but it's not as big as it once was. Nice. But so still 12 modules and how long roughly does it take teachers to get through the cohort? It's considered a 60 hour course. <sighs> 60 hours. And not only do they have to do the 60 hours, but this happens during contract time. Um, not necessarily. It depends on the module. We do the blended. And so the blended module, which is ending this year, uh, the states also realize the blended may not be as effective as the comprehensive. Okay. Um, The first year Sherman did the comprehensive. I was, there was a team of three of us that did um, about 180 teachers. Um, okay. And we split, but we also got to go in and observe and coach and visit with teachers. And that seemed to make it more real for mm-hmm. teachers. Um, for sure. A lot of aha moments as well. Um, mm-hmm. As we would watch a lesson, um, the Reading Academy is a strong proponent of the gradual release, the I do, we do, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that's a big change from how we have taught in the past. Uh, we almost kind of started with the, with the we do um, and then just kind of put the instruction within that we do. And, and now we really want the instruction upfront. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Let me show you how. Yes. And then we practice together before we let the kids go off and do something on their own. Absolutely. Um, so um, the comprehensive model is, is by far the best. The, one of the problems, not a problem, it's a, just a um, challenge, is that mm. you have to have subs because they have to have oh. in-person training as opposed sure. to, to training just on the computer, the online version. Um, but we did it during COVID. So we were ah. doing 180 people on Zoom. <laughs> it, was, it was quite interesting. Um, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about technology. We learned a lot about breakout rooms and all those kind of things that, that we were all struggling through during that time. And so next year, the state has realized that that uh, comprehensive model really is the best plan mm-hmm. for teachers. And um, I would agree with them as well. Nice. Well, and so, but it's your part of your job is to get teachers through that because, and on top of that, it's 60 hours and that teachers, it's required. I mean, all teachers have to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's kind of like, I feel like back in the day for me, I was a high school English teacher. And then it was like, well, if you're going to teach high school English, you also have to be certified in ESL. So it was like just one of those things that right. came along with it. Cool. That's so much for teachers. And it's only for K3 teachers because we it's so much about the foundation. Right. Yeah. And that's what's been missing, I think, in a lot of, um, you know, we had, well, I'm old enough that I don't remember how I learned to read. Well, um, I also don't remember how I learned to read. So. But, um, you know, we went through um, the, the phonics at one point, Dick and Jane, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Then we went to more of the whole language that kind of left the phonics out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of, I'm not going to say it completely left it out, but then we went to more of the balanced literacy that brought some of the word study in, but maybe not as explicit as we're seeing it needs to be now Mm -hmm. um, with all the research going on. And so it's, it's been a fun transition because I, grew up in the balanced literacy era as a teacher, um, guided reading, all those pieces. But now seeing the explicitness of teaching kids how to decode, mm-hmm. um, I think is so important. Um, and not just teaching certain rules, but really giving them attack strategies. And just like in my memory uh, of those two little boys with Hungary, instead of the teacher covering up the first syllable of Hungary, and having our the last syllable and having them say hun and then mm. covering up the first syllable and having the kids say free, they had the skills now to do it themselves. Mm. And they felt safe to try. Right. And then they felt so successful. Yes. I know in my kindergarten classroom, um, I just believed that if my children believed they could read, they were gonna read. For sure. But if you if you have a kiddo that doesn't believe they can do it you're fighting a lot of battles, but in her classroom, it was safe. They were willing to try and they got it. And it was exciting. Yes, no, that is. And I think, you know, what you said there, that confidence is such a big part of 
reading, especially in those early years when you are learning and there are so many things and especially with the English language and all of the rules and all the this for this, but not that for that. It is, you know, we're, we're a little hectic and crazy, but that's okay. Yeah. But so with all of that, so every single K3 teacher going through this training, 60 hours, going through this learning, getting that training, but then the expectation is to apply it, right? To put it into their classroom. And I think that for me is, is the hardest part. You know, I think anytime you attend a training, obviously the expectation is then what do you get out of it? What do you get out of it? What can you apply? Like, how is this making you better? How is it filling your toolkit and all of that? So one of the things that I especially love and that you've done within your district is to really make it concrete for those teachers. So you guys have worked to put together specific instructional routines based on the cohort, right? Correct. We had um, our first year when we were doing the comprehensive, we had four days of training um, in January and a classroom teacher, a kindergarten teacher went to her principal and said this is absolutely fabulous but how do I put it in my classroom yes and so he got um met with his instructional coach and she is a three five whiz expert um (laughs) I tend to be more k2 and so I was actually the cohort leader for his campus so he put the two of us together and said how are we going to do this And so we developed routines for K-5 based on, the routines are based on the grade level, of course, um, Mm -hmm. starting with phonological awareness um, to vocabulary to, to, we have a shared reading routine uh, that involves a focus poem. Uh, We have high frequency word routines, handwriting routines, word study routines where the kids are using hands-on Elkonin boxes with, uh, with counters, um, alphabet arcs uh, with the actual letters. One of the things as we built this, uh, started building this, I went to our admin, uh, central office admin, and said, if we're going to do this for the whole district, we need to buy all the materials. Right. And so um, we were very fortunate and very blessed that our our central office team allowed us to purchase everything for the teachers that they need um, from sound spelling cards to counters to letters. Um, every classroom and especially the K2 classroom has complete full sets of, of letters, of plastic letters to build words. So it's more kinesthetic, um, but we also focus on that uh, phonological awareness we know is so important. We work on And we've really tried to streamline with our planning um, and our scope and sequence that if we are, say, learning the long A vowel team spelling patterns, that we do it in phonological awareness, we do it in the poems, we do it in our shared reading, we do it in our um, word study, so that we're trying to link everything Mm -hmm. together so kids see it multiple times. And then when they go to RTI, we have an RTI routine that pretty much fairly came straight from Reading Academy, um, having that same spelling pattern reviewed, um, but also uh, closing gaps for them, uh, say a first grader that's still reading on a kindergarten type level. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, um, we still have our reading lessons and our writing. We want it to transfer um, the decoding and the encoding. 
Um, and we still work with guided reading. Like I said, we don't have, we have bought some different online programs and found some things free online that have decodable passages and, and pieces like that. But we're working on the decodables to add that to our, our resources this next year. So they've pr finally pretty much done guided reading with leveled readers. Um, mm -hmm. I had the privilege of being in a first grade classroom last year in January that the teacher had gone on maternity leave and it was a really um, low class um, coming from kindergarten. And so my office was at that school. So I was able to do guided reading, RTI and word study with them. Oh, wow. And it was really kind of neat because I haven't done that intense, you yeah. know, in several years, been in a classroom like that. Um, and so what I realized through part of it is like, this children may have still been reading on a kindergarten level, but because our tier one instruction was still where it needed to be for first grade, a lot of the words in those A through D level books, level books were still, were decodable for them because they had been taught. Now, did I have to scaffold for them and remind them? Now, remember, you right. know that, you know, that kind of thing, but it, 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 made me feel a little bit better that we didn't have decodables per se mm -hmm. um, for them because they were still learning the first grade skills in tier one. So, um, but it's been exciting. We have, like I said, we have routines from kindergarten to fifth grade. The amount of learning for the teachers um, has been pretty big because many of us either don't remember uh, how we learned to read right. or don't, uh, didn't ever learn phonics, you know, in their, in their, um, their pre-service work in college. Right. And so just learning some of the things to help kids um, be able to decode, you know, um, one of the, one of the first grade teachers last year had a student who wanted to know why, mm -hmm. and she couldn't necessarily answer the why. Um, honestly, I couldn't answer it either. And that's what I like about the job I have is that yeah. the teachers know, um, I, I'm not necessarily an expert, but I will find out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so as things come up and as we have conversations with different teams, uh, we look for the why. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't even remember what the word was, but the little boy had a K in his name, but the word was spelled with a C and he's like, well, how am I supposed to know if it's a C or a K? And that seems like a very easy question, but if you haven't been taught phonics, mm -hmm. you're not going to know that necessarily. And so I went, I'm thinking that's a good question. And I didn't know the answer. So I just left that room and went and found out and went back <laughs> and told him. And then after that, that teacher was just, we laughed about it because we are still learning, but I think right. that's important for kids to see too that teachers are constantly learning, that we all learn all of our lives. I think that's a great lesson for kids. Well, and I think it's just like what you were talking about with the kids at the beginning, being able to decode hungry. Mm -hmm. Like I can sit here and do it for you all day long, but mm -hmm. you're not learning if we do it that way. So yeah. creating an environment in a classroom where students are comfortable with taking risks and teachers are comfortable saying, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. what a phenomenal environment to, to be in. That's what I think. Person. Yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. Um, you know, it's just been so much fun just watching different teachers 
we had a, a DOI teacher this year, um, District of Innovation teacher. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have her certification. Teaches fifth grade and has absolutely fallen in love with word study. Oh, wow. And we have an absolutely amazing relationship in that we talk about it and talk about how, how are we going to make it seem easy for the kids, right. you know, because they're in fifth grade. They haven't had any of this um, oh. or not much phonics instruction mm -hmm. um, for their entire elementary life. And so now we're trying to help them be able to decode. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just been interesting to be able to, um, for her, she also, te she teaches word study and science. She's on a triad and also social studies. So, oh, wow. What was interesting to her was as we were looking through the spelling patterns and things, we we ended up looking at the academic vocabulary mm -hmm. um, that Lead Forward gives, you know, yeah. their, their resources. Yes. And she was pulling the vocabulary from science and social studies, especially science from third, fourth, and fifth grade on, pulling that um, word study words, but also the science words that they needed so much to know that vocabulary. Um, and it really worked out well. The kids were doing very well in science, but they were also growing in their ability to decode and encode words. It's been really neat to work with different teachers who have really went, wow, this is cool. So I, I feel kind of like a, a phonics nerd now. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I've ever thought of myself that way, but oh my gosh, I get so excited when I see things. Because we do, one of the things about our word study routines is that um, the actual word study routine is we use the Elkonin boxes to hear mm -hmm. the sounds. Um, then the kids use classic letters on another day to put the, the letters in the boxes by how they, they hear those sounds. So, um, you know, that something so simple as a blend goes in two different boxes and a digraph goes in one box. That mm -hmm. is stuff that, that teachers have to learn too. Yes. You know, I mean, because we're just not ab absolutely familiar with some of that. Um, there's a few colleges that teach phonics and have some strong phonics courses. Mm -hmm. um, I think with Reading Academy and our shift to the science of teaching reading, I'm hoping that more of the um, free service college uh, starts doing some, some right. more heavy duty phonics instruction because I think we just still have a lot of kiddos, young teachers who um, haven't learned it, you know? Yeah. And so now they're gonna have to go teach it and it makes them uncomfortable. And, and so I just, I like the team approach with teachers. Um, I'm here to help you. Um, that is my only job is to help you. So ask any questions you want. Um, right. Every teacher in our district at the elementary level has my cell phone number. They can <laughs> call and text anytime. I, I don't, I've never ever had anybody abuse that, you know, from the standpoint um, I had one parent when I was in the classroom that kind of abused it. So I just oh. quit answering my phone when he right. called. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just here to, to help right? Um, and help them help their kids be successful. Yes. Oh, well, how lucky are those teachers to have you kind of just well, thank you. be there as that support and, you know, help with making that abstract information concrete in their classroom. I think yeah. that is a huge benefit. So we, yeah. we talked about, I was just going to say that I was talking about that Elkonin boxes and those pieces yeah. were kind of more for the K2, but in second grade, our teachers, you know, start kids learning the, the multisyllabic words. And mm -hmm. we've really kind of adopted the Orton Gillingham approach. Um, 
these last couple of years to teach kids how to identify the vowels, how to set, how to divide the words. Mm -hmm. I know in tier one, that's more of a tier two instruction strategy sure, probably, sure. but it's been very helpful for our teachers to have to go through that and teach that. It's teaching them, but it's also teaching the kids how to really take a big word, be able to break it apart, um, to decode it. And then the different strategies, I think one of the things that was missing too in a lot of classrooms was how do I spell a big word? Mm -hmm. um, and kids don't want to try to spell a big word. They just want people to help, teachers right. to help, or another student to help. But if you give them the skills, then they can actually um, do it themselves. Yes. Well, and I think that right there is, you know, what we hope, that's our ultimate goal, is to give the skills and strategies so that, you know, in the moment, they're learning it. They got it. We're going through that gradual release where I teach, we practice, you know, we do it together and then they go do it on their own, but then they leave your classroom and are still able to apply those skills and strategies and pull from them. Absolutely. They need them. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's just a little, I think, job. you know, like I was talking about with hungry covering up the end of the word, the mm -hmm. teacher covers it up. They mm -hmm. can do the CVC and then, you know, you're not going to be there when they're reading at home. We right. need to give those kids the strategies yeah. to, um, and as we know through research, it's not just looking at the picture. No, um, no. There's so many, you know, things. yeah, yeah, yes. It's not, we're not saying make a guess and then move on, like start, right. you know, right. what is the picture That's exactly showing right. you? And then what else do I know that I can apply? Then based on that, what is the letter? What is the, you know, right. I mean, I do think it makes sense, the science of teaching reading, that mm -hmm. we, let's look at the word, let's, yeah. let's get our, let's do those things first, and then we can scaffold using the pictures, but, you know, one of the things I think, like, maybe a silly big aha for me was, you know, by the time they're in second and third grade, there aren't as many pictures. No, <laughs> so they, definitely They not. can't rely on the pictures right. to be able to read the words. No. Um, no. Well, it's and, like when, you know, you start working toward those comprehension strategies or mm -hmm. building them up, obviously you're working right. along the, the way with those two, but, you know, being able to make the pictures in your mind and, you know, it, it absolutely that scaffold along mm -hmm. working towards somebody, uh, told me like the analogy of learning how to drive a car, right? Like in the beginning, mm -hmm. you, you have to know the foundation. You have to know about your car and how it works and the different right. pieces. And like, if I am coming up to a stop sign, you know, everything that I need to do to get to that point, to get to where I can do it with automaticity. But right. if I don't learn those pieces, I'm not going to be able to then, you know, now I can come up to a stop sign and do it. No worry. No, you know, I can stop. I can, I know what to do, check, and then I can move forward. But if I wouldn't yeah. have learned the skills and the strategies and the broken downness of it when I was learning how to drive, right. I wouldn't be where I am today. And I feel like, you know, when we talk about the, the reason behind reading academies and the science of teaching, reading research, and you know what it says, like the idea is we want to make sure that our students have what they need in that foundational base to where then they right. can do all of these things. 
Exactly. And I think that's, I, you know, I know we've gone beyond the simple view of reading now, um, right. but depending on where your district is, that simple view of reading might be just where they are because the yeah. kids can't decode. Right. Um, for sure. And they don't hear the sounds. Um, we talk a lot about because we do have a, a, a high level of um, ESL children mm -hmm. um, from all different um, languages, but they don't, their ears are not trained to hear the sounds. Right. And so that phonological awareness piece of doing that routine every day, it's only five minutes a day, but let's hear that sound. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's practice what, what are we needing to do with that is so huge. Mm -hmm. um, that, that leads to that phonemic awareness and, and those pieces that we, we've got to make sure that we have that um, phonemic work mm -hmm. at starting in pre-K and kinder. Uh, oh, the yeah. pre-K guidelines just changed uh, for next year and they've actually added in um, a little bit more uh, phonemic work than they had before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably, I'm guessing <laughs> that's probably from some of the, the reading um, scores yeah. that we have, um, mm -hmm. you know, but we just don't that if kids can't decode, then it doesn't matter what we do in comprehension, they're not going to be able to get through the text. Yeah. They have to be able to decode. Yeah. Well, I like what you said right there. You were, when you were talking about the phonological awareness routine, you said it's five minutes every day. So mm -hmm. based on, cause I know, you know, when we had talked you guys have was it like seven or eight instructional routines that you've put uh -huh. into place. So how do you, because you know, it's not like there's unlimited time in a school day. So well, we try, we've tried to, every campus does it a little bit different. The sure. campus that we started with, they actually list out each routine and how much time for each routine throughout the day, you know, throughout mm -hmm. the day. Um, we tried, my suggestion is to start with your phonological awareness and then move straight to your shared reading or your, your focus point for the week that you're going to be looking at. Mm -hmm. um, and in shared reading and focused poetry, you're also working on comprehension, but you're also yes. working on print awareness and you're looking sure. at sounds and, and some, of, some of the rhyme, those kind of pieces, and then move straight into word study. The actual word study piece is actually the longest routine and it's about 20 minutes. Okay. And it's, it's the I do, we do, you do um, lesson, that gradual release lesson, but it's over the week. Monday through Wednesday, you're doing a I do, we do. Okay. Um, we have decoding as part of it and encoding as part of it. And so the teacher will model every day how to decode words. Mm -hmm. So we're having them do that think aloud. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I see this word. I know that sound is, you know, bleh. And so, you know, and goes through her talking of how to decode it. Yes. Then they practice some together. Um, and then we go into the encoding. Um, and that's where we pull in our opponent boxes. And um, at kindergarten, we found um, they put the arc together mm -hmm. so that the letters are um, separated. Um, we were able to purchase boxes. It's like a box that holds 12 boxes. And it's, mm -hmm. I think, originally designed for photos. Um, you oh. can get a Hobby Lobby or yeah. Michael's uh, Amazon. Um, and so each set, each small box has their um, 
their counters for the Alcona boxes. We also got them Visa-V pens. Uh, we found that the Visa-V works better on laminated paper to, to uh, clean mm -hmm. than um, the dry erase. Sometimes the dry erase ends up, it's black yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to, to clean up. So we got everybody Visa-V. So they have, the teachers have a routine of you go get your letters, you get your, mm -hmm. um, your Elkonin box, you get your wipey, wet wipe and a dry wipe so that they can do that kind of work. Yep. Um, but in, when you, if you can imagine a little box, it's probably five by eight, five by okay. nine. It has all the letters in there. Yeah. It takes kindergarten forever Yeah. to find a letter, you know, that right. they're digging through. Right. So we adjusted. Um, and that's one of the beauties I like about this too, is that if a teacher comes to me and says, it's not working, then my first response is, let me come see what's happening. And then we'll, then we get back together. Okay, what, what solution can we do? So it's a very fluid document yeah. in what we're doing. Um, and so that's how we ended up doing the ARCs for the kiddos. Um, I had the privilege being from Houston of taking a kindergarten readiness class from Nye House which is kind of the dyslexia gurus down in mm -hmm. Houston. And they did the arcs. And I, I had tremendous success with my kiddos with reading. And I think just building words, you know, with the arc, um, it's very kinesthetic. So if they want to build the word mat, you know, what's the first sound? Mm, okay, find your M on the alphabet. So they'd go to the top of the arc and pull it down. And then you know, we would spell the A and the T. A lot of times if it was word family work we were doing, we would do the A and the T first. Now build the word mat. So they had to bring okay. the M down. Okay. Now, now build the word bat. So they had to literally put the M back mm -hmm. and, then and then find the B and okay. bring the B over and have mm. those kind of conversations. So you're constantly talking about sounds, mm -hmm. but you're also matching it to that, um, to that letter, uh, which is so important for it to get, um, solidified in their brains <laughs> right right um, you know that piece of it um so kindergarten uses the arcs everybody else uses the boxes okay. but it's it's been um interest interesting um to watch the kids and see what they can do um, yeah. a lot of kinder teachers have been surprised at what they can do for sure um, um, and it just light bulbs just start coming on and then they just start reading magnificently for kindergarten, of course, and writing the same way, mm -hmm. um, writing the sounds they hear. Um, and so having those routines. So anyway, with the schedule, um, mm -hmm. some campuses literally dictated out, this is mm -hmm. your high frequency word routine. This is your focus poem. This is your uh, phonological awareness routine. And, and it's really just um, mapped out for them. Um, when we first started this, we started with first grade and I wasn't at the meeting when this first grade team was told about it. And the coach called me after the meeting and said, I don't think we ought to start training tomorrow. And I said, oh gosh, <laughs> I said, why? And she said, oh, they are so mad. They were oh. angry. And I said, okay, so let's do this. Let's go and have the meeting tomorrow as planned. And then we're going to just listen. You know, what are their concerns? What, yeah. you know, we, we were prepared. Um, these are very lovely ladies. I'm going to say this, but it, I don't really mean it that way. But we were, plan, we were planning on being attacked. 
Right. Okay. No, you have um, to prepare and, for the worst always. Yeah. And, and so it was kind of interesting because one of the things they told them is that you need to set a timer because as teachers, we can talk and talk and talk oh gosh, and talk yes. and never get everything done we need to do in a of day. Course. And so, you know, when you have a five minute routine or a seven minute routine, you know, do the, set the, um, set the timer. And so mm -hmm. she said, okay, then, so we, we got there early. We're sitting there. We're ready. And the first teacher walked in after she dropped her kids off and said, oh, my God, this is fabulous. <laughs> and we're kind of looking at each other like, okay, this isn't what we were expecting. Right. And the next teacher came in and she said, oh, my gosh, my kids were going, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And the teacher said, we're on a schedule. Exactly. We have five minutes to get this done. You have to pay attention. You have to get this work done. <laughs> Everyone. So we had training. Yes. They started asking questions and, and they just, they ate it up. And the kids, the, the one, the best thing about all these routines, and I don't think I mentioned handwriting, but we do have the handwriting routine straight mm. from um, uh, the Reading Academy. Um, but oh, we nice. have the one thing that every teacher that is truly dedicated to this piece during this whole word study instructional routine time, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of behavior issues. Oh, that's the huge. Kids are moving, the kids are doing the work. Right. Kids, you know, are doing the thinking, they're doing the talking. Um, and the behavior tends to, to die down because we keep them going. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, an unexpected bonus. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, to these, sure. which makes sense. It makes sense when you think about it because they're busy, they're doing their work, they're using their yes. hands. They're not just sitting um, crisscross apples off on a rug getting bored. Yes. They are actually having to do the work. And so yes. um, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch um, teachers grow, students grow. And this year at the first campus that we started with, at the middle of the year, um, we had a I forgot how many the number was, but quite a few first graders that we were looking at for dyslexia. Mm -hmm. So now they've started a more heavy, more intensive training with guided reading or small group. We'll say small yeah. group. Mm -hmm. um, with the phonics and word study piece. And just from, from February to now, they've dropped over half of the kids that are needing, mm -hmm. when we did our end of year testing, um, over half the kids are not even on the radar for dyslexia anymore. Wow. Just from the, the hard work the teachers are doing. That's and, huge. And they are loving it. They, yeah. they are excited about next year. Um, and so that's, that's always fun. I had one kindergarten teacher at another campus that um, I had been in one of her co-teachers rooms and, and she, that teacher, second year teacher, she goes, all my kids are reading except for three. Oh. I mean, they were reading on grade level or above. Right. And except for three and for kindergarten, that's not bad. No. And, um, so I knew that they were having a lot of success because I had been in their rooms and see them doing the routines. So I went into this other teacher and, and she's, um, I don't know, she's probably got 25 or 30 years of experience. She's just a delightful lady. And she, excuse me. And she said, uh, I said, how's it going? And she goes, the, we use the Bonus Panel Bass for reading levels mm -hmm. at the end of the year. And she goes, oh, this is taking me forever. And she kind of 
acted like it was torture, but then uh-huh. she kind of had a smile and I said, because your kids are reading and she goes, oh my God, they're reading better than they have in years. And so, I mean, she was just so excited, even though it's taken more work for her, um, but she was, she was excited that her kids and looking at her data um, absolutely is so much better than it's been in in years. But I do think these explicit teaching of phonics and making it making it a priority. We're still mm-hmm. doing all the other right uh, comprehension and writing and everything that we have to do, especially that cross-curricular piece now that mm-hmm. the way stars being tested, mm-hmm. um, response to, to, to reading kind right. of things. Even at the kindergarten level, we've adopted those, those practices so kids are used to that. But b- having them have the confidence that they can read and that they oh. can write is, has been huge. Yeah. So. I'm very thankful for the reading academies. And honestly, other than teachers griping about the time, <laughs> um, and I totally understand that. Right. Um, I totally understand it. It is a lot of work. I, they change them every year. So I have, I've had to reread everything for three years. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> wow. sure. So I get it. I know exactly. Right. The, um, but I've, I've had several multi-year teachers tell me I've learned stuff and so I I think it's a I think it's good yeah um it does take a lot of time and I think we need to appreciate and hug and love on our teachers that are going through it and support them as best we can because it is a lot of work yes when I think you know the work that you do is exactly that like that support because you know as I'm thinking through this so you know not only like you took the content, the information from reading academies and created the instructional routine. So based mm-hmm. on what we learned here, here are the things we're going to do for that. But then in addition, because like when you were talking about making the connection between the phonological awareness and the shared reading and your mm-hmm. word study, and I'm sure that, you know, you're reading and writing many mm-hmm. lessons. It's also, I mean, you've provided kind of like that scope and sequence that right. Here's what you here's what you need to know to do first, second, and third. And I think that the places where we see success, the support for teachers is there. The places, yeah. no matter what curriculum you're using or what instructional routines you're doing, if the support for teachers isn't there, then they they struggle to be. It just depends on the teacher, right? Right. As a system, you struggle to create that uh, replicable success. But right. you need to have pockets. And I and I feel like that's the, you know, when we think back to, you know, balanced literacy before or mm-hmm. whole language. Like, I think if you had a teacher who believed in phonics, then maybe you got more of it. Or if you had somebody who knew or could, you know, see some some red flags or things like that, then maybe, maybe you right. got some of it. But it wasn't, we didn't have a systematic system. I don't right. know. A systematic system, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. I mean, we are um, trying to be very intentional, yes, with the strategies we teach in the planning. Mm-hmm. Um, really paying attention to the the Texas standards. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to be true to the grade level um, as much as possible. If if we have kids reading above grade level, then we handle those kind of skills in small group. Right. You no, know, we don't just teach whole group. You know. Right. Um, but I think the intentionality of, 
of choosing the words we're going to use with the kids and teaching them the strategies are, are working to, for them to be successful decoders and encoders so that as they grow and there's less pictures and they're mm-hmm. reading, they're going to have attack strategies yeah. um, that supercalifragilisticexpialidocious <laughs> is not going to be as scary right. to them as hungry was for those two little boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see how the kids are growing. Heck yeah. I think that's awesome. Ah, well, so when I think about all the work that you guys have done, you know, for the teachers within Sherman ISD, what is this, if you're not in Sherman, I mean, what can other, what can other people do? What, you know, what is kind of our takeaway or our action item for those listening who aren't lucky to be, you know, receiving support? I think (laughs) the intentionality of those foundational skills. Yeah. Um, I know um, one of the biggest ahas I had the first year when I read module five is about oral language. Okay. And from my experience and talking to other cohort leaders, that's probably the hardest module for teachers to pass on uh, the pre or the post test actually, Mm -hmm. because I would have said before I read that module that, yeah, I did oral language. But I don't know if you picked up. I said I did oral language. I didn't explicitly teach oral right. language yeah. the way it talks about. And, and not having a strong enough oral language, I think, is, is crucial. So we have mm-hmm. to make sure that our teachers are teaching kids how to develop their oral language. They're teaching their kids how to hear the sounds, the phonological mm-hmm. awareness pieces. I think the intentionality of doing those pieces, because as we know, if you like you know, any of us have gone to a restaurant and the whole family's sitting on phones, there's nobody talking to each other. Mm-hmm. We're losing that to, to devices. The same thing, I love some of the Facebook little mean things that come across as, you know, the best, best place for your kid is on your lap when you're reading a book. Oh, you know, I mean, it's like my grandson who's now eight and he loves to read, but he was probably six months old sitting in my lap and I've mm-hmm. got a book in front of him and we're reading yeah. and we're talking. Um, I just, that is missing so much from our children. I mean, with everything going on in our world, our parents are having to work two and three jobs, yeah. you know, I mean, they're, right. they're trying to meet those basic needs of, of our babies. Um, And so we really have to be intentional in our work. Um, What is that teak? What is it saying our kids need to be able to do phonologically? Mm -hmm. What are they needing to do decoding and encoding? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is so important in in choosing the right words, choosing, Mm -hmm. following, keeping within that standard um, that the teachers are, or that the state has given us. So you know, we don't need to de- do some things in, in kindergarten that it's a third grade skill. Let's right. let's get our babies ready with kinder, what they need to know. Then they'll be ready to go to first grade mm-hmm. and learn those first grade skills. Um, but I think intentionality and planning, that PLC, I think, is important mm-hmm. to really mm-hmm. look. Um, I think training is important. One of the things um, at the beginning of the year I usually do is go to the campuses and talk about the routine, show them the routines. Um, model the routines um, to a point. And usually we do it by grade level and then over several weeks because it does seem overwhelming that there's seven routines and 
you have five minutes to do this, five minutes to do that. Um, right. I don't think anyone um, anyone can do any of the routines the first few weeks within the time that's allowed. Yeah. Well, no. You, you know course. what? Because they're right. learning them. And yes. we have to give teachers grace. Yeah. Um, and they have to feel um, feel the the freedom to ask and say, this isn't working. Can you help me? Yeah. Um, you know, some teachers don't want to do that, but I think it, it depends on the person, the coach, that person that's going in to, um, to help um, their approach as well. And most instructional coaches are there with a servant's heart and oh, are wanting sure. to help the teachers. For sure. um, the other piece that I think is super important because this is hard work. Mm -hmm. This work study, this decoding piece is hard work. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for the teachers because they may not know it as well. It's hard for the students because they've never heard it before. Right. Um, and so you've got to have some accountability. Yeah. Principals need to be um, going in um, and watching classrooms and seeing yes. that what the teachers are doing. Um, they need to know that it is an expectation. I think one of the things that the campus that I've worked the most closely with um, is they actually do, they call them scoutings where on different um, specials, when, when teachers have their planning time, they'll go mm -hmm. observe another classroom. Um, oh, and then, I love that. And mm -hmm. it's just about debriefing. And it was kind of an odd thing that happened one year, but um, our fourth grade team, the fourth grade team there was going to go visit a third grade teacher. Well, that morning, her mom had a heart attack. Oh, She's fine. God. Everything's great. Right. But the teacher had to leave, obviously. Yeah. And so the only other place we could send them was to kinder. Oh. And I and so being a kindergarten teacher, I could really kind of walk them through because some of them yeah. have never been. You know, they, they right. see five year olds and go. Ah. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I was walking them through what they were doing. But the biggest aha that came out of that was. If kindergarten can do it, fourth grade yes. can. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, so their expectations change. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but that principle will hold te holds teachers accountable. Yes. Um, and that's why he they have each section listed out as a um, separate time in their schedule mm -hmm. um, because he wants that intentionality of we're doing this. Yeah. You know, and um, so it's been it, it's been um, it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah, um, fun um, seeing the growth in the kids and the and the teachers. For sure. um, yeah, so it's just mm. been exciting. But I think intentionality and accountability. Yes, well, and I I mean, uh, but I like what you said about planning too. I think I mean that intentionality is there and it can be there because of the time you take to plan and right then, you know exactly. because of the accountability that you have mm -hmm. so no I think I think that's perfect intentionality planning and accountability mm -hmm. nailed it I love it <laughs> it's been fun it's been a fun fun, fun couple of years oh awesome well thank you for sharing you know the well, journey and talking through, you know, what you guys are doing and the strides that you're making and the, the work that's being done. I think, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's, um, you know, it's been fun just chatting with you about it and hearing it's very clear, like your passion for it, for the work and, you know, the growth that you're seeing in teachers yeah. and students comes through. So 
Thank you for taking the time to share with me. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Teachers Are Leaders. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. We are, you know, wherever you find your podcast. And if you're looking for us outside of the podcast world, we are on Twitter at WarrenINPD. And our website is WarrenINPD.com. Hope to see you soon. Thanks.